Well, thanks for joining us again for part two of this new series we've started called Give It All Away. And the reason we're calling it Give It All Away is because last week when we began this series, we saw Jesus ask a young man to give it all away. He literally asked this guy who had so many possessions to take those possessions, sell them, and then give the money to the poor so that he could then come and follow him. It's an incredible story. And that encounter, as we talked about it, Man, it still makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? It still makes us uncomfortable to think about Jesus asking us to give it all away if we desire to come and follow him. And so while that call to give it all away in a very literal sense is not something that's universally binding on us as all believers, uh, it is something that we need to carefully consider because following Jesus always involves sacrifice. It always costs us something to follow him and where he's leading in our lives. And that's why we began this series, because even though Jesus may not ask you specifically to take everything you have, sell it and give it to the poor, there is a cost for those of us who desire to follow him. We have to be willing to let go of whatever it is that is keeping us trapped and unable to fully follow Jesus. But this week, we're going to press on a little bit further Because one of the reasons it's so hard to do that, one of the reasons it's so hard for us to let go of those things is not simply because we value them too much. It's not just that we don't want to give all our possessions away because we love our possessions too much. It's more than that. It's because we don't fully understand the treasure that we've been given in Jesus. That's why one of my favorite quotes uh, comes from author C.S. Lewis. He wrote the books Chronicles of Narnia, and may surprise you, they were books before they were movies. Uh, But he wrote a book, really more of a sermon, entitled The Weight of Glory. And in it, he says this. He says, indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. And that is a shocking statement for us today, that it's not that Jesus says you love your possessions too much, not that you love your relationships too much, not that you love your job too much. He says you don't love me enough. The reason that we are content with these lesser things is because we don't fully understand what we've been offered in Jesus. And what I want you to hear today in the few minutes that we have together is that Jesus is the one thing that's worth everything. Out of all that you have in life and all that you offered, Jesus is the one thing that rises above it all as more valuable, more worthy. He's the one thing worth everything. And what's cool is Jesus himself alludes to that. C.S. Lewis wasn't the guy who originally came up with this idea. Jesus taught this idea through some pictures and parables. So if you got your Bibles today, we're going to look at just a few verses that contain two parables of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. We're going to read it together. Jesus says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. 
Then his joy, he goes and sells everything that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, I know for you and I, those are not very uh, relevant concepts to us, right? When Jesus taught in parables, what he was doing is bringing a relevant concept from everyday life and making a broader spiritual application through that. And here in this context, uh, the idea of a buried treasure and a valuable pearl do not really connect with us as much as they would have Jesus's uh, in original audience. Uh, however, they may connect with your grandmother more than you realize, because when Jesus describes a treasure that a man found hidden in a field, he's not describing a pirate treasure that's left on a desert island. What he's describing is the idea that back in his time, banks really weren't a thing. And so when people had valuables, they would often take those valuables, put them in a jar, put them in a container, whatever, and go bury them at a location. And whether through tragedy, natural old age, death, whatever, those treasures would sometimes be forgotten. And every now and then, someone would find one of those treasures hidden in a field that they never uh, had thought of before. And the reason I think that your grandma may relate to that more than you do is because because we're not that far removed from that in America today. Matter of fact, shortly after the Great Depression, there were many people who had lost so much in banks that they began to do the same thing. They began to take treasure and bury it, take stuff and hide it. And you might be surprised how recent stuff like this has actually happened. And so that's the picture that Jesus gives us. There's a guy who's in a field, and whether he's digging or whether he's walking, maybe he's planting, whatever, we don't know, but he finds this treasure. And when he finds the treasure, he goes back and he reburies it and he goes and takes everything that he has and he liquidates it and buys this field so that he could get the treasure. And then we get the, uh, the parable uh, of the pearl. In Jesus's time, divers sought pearls in the Red Sea, the Persian Gulf, Indian Ocean, all around there. And some of these pearls that they would find in that day were the equivalent of millions of dollars in value. And so Jesus's hearers were probably familiar with the idea of these pearls. And so he gives us this picture of a man in search of a pearl, and he finds a pearl that is beyond what he ever imagined he would. And when he sees this pearl of what he considers limitless value, he takes and he sells everything that he has, and he goes and buys this pearl. What, what is the point of the parable of the treasure and the pearl? See, the parables of the treasure and the pearl show us the wholehearted response that the kingdom of God requires. If you go back and look at our text in Matthew 13, he says that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. So he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And when we think of the kingdom of heaven, we, we don't think of a kingdom in a territorial sense. This isn't a territorial kingdom. When he talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about his rule and his reign inaugurated here on this earth. So when we think the kingdom of heaven, it's okay for us to picture that with salvation, with our relationship with Jesus. And what we see here is that following Jesus requires something of us. 
And when you understand that, you realize that the point of these parables is to show us that no sacrifice is too great when it comes to entering the kingdom. No other concern in our lives, whether it be jobs or relationships, hopes and dreams for the future, no other concern stands in the way of the kingdom. But I think far too often when we look at this story and even the story from last week about the young man that Jesus asked to sell everything and he just couldn't because he realized he was trapped by his possessions and he goes away sad. I think so often we talk about sacrifice when it comes to following Jesus, giving up things when it comes to following Jesus, letting go of things. We tend to think about it in terms of losing them, of having to let them go in a negative sense. But if you look at these two parables of the treasure and the pearl and you look at, and look at it in terms of losses, then you're missing the point behind it. See, the point of these parables is not about regret. It's not about loss. The point of these parables is the joy and the fulfillment that comes from obtaining the treasure and obtaining the pearl. And the point here is that there is something about the kingdom of heaven, there is something about following Jesus that makes extravagant action the only proper response. And you know, I, I think that, that what's neat is how both of these guys come upon that and begin to realize that because the guy looking for the treasure wasn't looking for the treasure. It says that he stumbled upon it. But this other man who was looking for pearls was intentionally seeking a pearl out. So whether they were looking for it or whether they stumbled upon it, the result, the response is the same. They are willing to sell everything they have to gain the one thing they desire. Man, what a good picture it is for those of us who have found Jesus. See, there are some of us who never looking for him, never seeking him out, had Jesus come to us in an extravagant way where out of the blue we saw him for who he was and what he had done for us on the cross. And in that moment of our life, everything changed in an instant, even though we weren't looking for it. And then there are some who, man, your life was falling apart and you knew there had to be something more. You knew there had to be something better. And so through a friend, through a family member, you found your way into church. And when you found Jesus, you found exactly what you had been looking for. And in that moment, your life changed. See, what's cool is you don't have to be looking for him or you could very well be looking for him. But the moment that you see Jesus he offers everything that you either were looking for or that you never knew you needed. Let me read you a quote by Pastor John Piper. When Pastor John Piper was preaching on this passage, this is what he said. He said, so the point of Matthew 13, 44 is that the kingdom of God is so valuable that losing everything on earth but getting the kingdom is a happy trade-off. Or, to be more personal and specific, we can lose everything with joy if we gain Christ. Let me read that again. We can lose everything with joy if we gain Christ. Don't miss the word joy in this verse, Piper says. In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The loss of all things is not sad if we gain Christ. If you look at this parable and you think that these guys were sad to sell everything they have to gain the treasure and the pearl, you have missed the point. They were joyful and they were fulfilled because they had found what their heart truly desired. 
See, I think the problem is many of us want to have that treasure or we want to find that pearl without having to let go of, any, of anything. We want to keep everything just like it is. We want to hold on to our dreams, hopes, and ambitions. We have a death grip on those things in our life, but we still want the treasure and we still want the pearl. We think that we can have Jesus and not, quote unquote, sell everything. See, I think the reason that we think this way is primarily because of two issues. Number one, we value what we have far too much. Number two, we value what we are offered in Jesus far too little. I don't think both of those problems work against each other. When we look at the things that we have in this life, we put too much value on them. And I think that's true of even the most minute possessions in our life. What's ours is ours. And we put so much value on those things. But the truth of the matter is they break down, they wear out, they don't satisfy. And before the year's up, we're going to be looking for something newer and better to take its place. And then we value that thing like it'll never go away, but eventually it will. So we value those things in our life far too much. But I think even bigger than that, as C.S. Lewis said, we just value Jesus far too little. I think by and large, most of us who would say that we love Jesus, that we want to follow Jesus, we don't understand the treasure that we have in Jesus. We don't understand how valuable, how worthy he is. And so what I need you to understand, what I want you to see is that when you find a treasure like the kingdom, when you find a treasure like Jesus, the cost to follow him becomes insignificant. This means that the parable isn't so much about what we're willing to give up to gain the kingdom, but that the kingdom is worth losing everything for. And that's the point. It's such a, it's such a shift in perspective. It's not about uh, what we have to give up to get. It's that when we see Jesus for who he is and how worthy he is and how glorious he is, then everything in life pales in comparison to him. And honestly, to my shame and I think to the shame of the American church, that's not been most people's experience. I think if you were to ask most people who are sitting in churches today, if that has been their experience, they would have to say, no, it hasn't. Rather than seeing and joyfully embracing the treasure that is knowing and following Jesus, we wind up simply getting religious. And that's a problem. What do I mean when I say we wind up simply getting religious? See, I think religion is a way that we try to control God on our terms. We come to church so that God will be nice to us. We put money in the offering box so that we'll be blessed. We pray to make sure God helps us in areas of our life. Religion is the way that we try to use our behaviors and actions to control and elicit responses from God. But at the root of all of that, you don't really want God to be in control of your life. You don't really want God to direct your life, but you also don't want him against you. And so you do what you have to do to keep God placated and contained. Almost like through your actions, you can keep God in a box. See, religion is where we do the minimum requirement to pay God off and keep him from being against us. Guys, that's not repentance. And that's not joy. That's not Christianity. 
See, God is not interested in people who want to follow him, quote unquote, simply to get him off their back. He is interested in those who see him as a treasure of greater value than anything else on this earth and gladly leave everything just to know him. That's what we're after. But for most of us, that's not what we have. We value what we get from God far more than we value God himself. See, coming to Jesus means that you might not be entirely sure where Jesus is leading you. You might not be entirely sure of what Jesus is asking of you, and you are 100% not sure how you're going to have the strength to obey. But coming to Jesus means that you recognize that he is the one treasure that you cannot live your life without. He's the one thing that's worth everything. And this is a massive paradigm shift for us. See, we're willing to go anywhere. We're willing to do anything. We're willing to give away everything because Jesus is the one thing that we can't live without. And that's what happens when you see Jesus. You see, we value what we have far too much and we value Jesus far too little. So what my hope for you today is is that you would be able to let go of those things that you have because for the first time, your eyes are being opened to what you've been offered in Jesus. This last week's message was about encouraging you to let go of the things that have you trapped. This week's call is for you to see Jesus as worth letting go to see him as more valuable than anything you're holding on to so that in joy you can follow him wherever he leads. And so what I want to do today to help you see Jesus is just read you two passages from the Apostle Paul. Because when the Apostle Paul saw Jesus, he couldn't help but tell everybody else about it. Listen to the words that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. He said, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross." He says, see Jesus. Jesus is above all. Jesus holds all. Jesus is the end of all. Jesus is the one thing worth everything. And then he goes on to tell us when he writes to the church in Philippi exactly what that looked like in his life when he saw that picture of Christ. He says, but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing, in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I know I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. You see, when Paul saw Jesus, nothing else mattered. Everything that he had gained became a loss if he could just take hold of Jesus. So last week, I asked you, what do you need to let go of so that you can fully follow Jesus? Today, let me ask an even simpler question. Have you really seen Jesus? Have you seen him for who he is? Have you seen him in his glory? Have you seen him as worth everything? Because when you do, letting go isn't all that hard. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for the time that you've given us today to look to your word. And God, as simply as I know how, I ask that you would help us to see Jesus. That we would see him as the one thing worth everything. That we would value him as we should. And that as we do, we would value the other things in our life as we should and that we wouldn't get it backwards. God, I pray that as we see Jesus for who he is, that you would begin to let us let go of the other things in life that hold us trapped so that we can begin to live lives free to be generous. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.